Welcome to Duct Tape and Paper Clips. I'm Nathan Hartswick. And I'm Annie Russell. This is the show where we rewatch, review, and ridicule every episode of MacGyver for the first time since our childhoods to see if it still holds up. And tonight we are breaking down season one, episode six, Trumbo's World. Oh my God. I, I, I'm going to hold my tongue here because I want to find out uh, how you're doing, Annie, and stuff, but we are dying to talk about this episode. Um, and we're going to do that in a minute, but, um, what's going on with you? Are you, I've been noticing a lot of, uh, I didn't really take you for a baker before, but I'm seeing some baking stuff on social media. There, so I actually always have been um, really into baking. There was a, a hot minute when I was living in Brooklyn where I was actually baking pies and selling them to like local coffee shops. Really? And um, I entered a few pie baking uh, contests, but um, as stand up takes over every minute of my life that that is not, you know, working. Um, I haven't had time. And so the pandemic has sort of allowed me to kind of get back into it. So yeah, I've been doing uh, some baking. I have perfected, I think, a chocolate mousse for the first time. It was always a recipe that really intimidated me before. And so I'm like, I'm getting more into, uh, into baking and desserts. Um, So fun. Yeah. We're all kind of like getting back to some of our hobbies that we were, you know, now that our entire industry has collapsed, (laughs) we have to have something to do. What about you? How, how are things with you? I saw that you guys are taking a little bit of a hiatus from the live uh, shows that you've been doing. Are you hoping to actually relax. You know, it takes some work to put some of these live stream shows together and stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, we just started, we started to feel like, you know, we've been doing them them every single week since the, since we closed the club. So just having like a little break so people can get outside and kind of just relax and enjoy the rest of the nice weather before we all have to be hermits again. And I also, I went to, I went and hung out with my nephew all day today outside, which was kind of fun because his parents needed to like go, uh, you know, have normal, regular adult conversation for a couple hours. <laughs> and so I got to play with a seven-year-old for the entire day, which was super fun. And uh, he will at some point make an appearance on this podcast because he is one of those kids who's like an engineer brain who really loves to like explain to you how things work and take things apart. And he retains all of it. And uh, I have a feeling that if we can find a kid friendly uh, episode (laughs) of this show. I think he would really think it was cool. That would be great. But yeah, so that's what I've been up to. Um, But we have a a special guest in the house tonight uh, in the virtual house who's going to help us break down tonight's episode. So let's bring him in. He's been on the main stage improv team at Vermont Comedy Club. He's a very funny comedian and a good friend. Uh, Please welcome John Mathias. Hi, John. Hey, how's it going? It's great. great. Thanks for being with us. How... This is the question uh, everyone's getting, but how are you like handling quarantine? What's your routine? I mean, honestly, uh, the way I approach life, it's kind of always a little bit crisis feeling. So uh, (laughs) it's I'm as stressed as normal, but now everyone else is, too. Like, Mm -hmm. that's sort of the yeah. all the rest of us are catching up to your, you know. Yes. I think the hardest thing is that now, like. I, it was always just me, but now I'm worried about my what my boyfriend's doing. So we mm. sort of have to navigate like, like what stores to go mm-hmm. to and, and when sure. and, and that sort of stuff. So that, that that feels like a conversation that everybody is having who lives together right now. They all have different yes. levels if they're being responsible at all. Right. Then they all have different levels of what they're comfortable with, and that and those and those things change and evolve over time. Like whether it's like they're changing because there's new information scientifically, or they're changing because people are getting bored. <laughs> like everyone's right. shifting sands. Yeah, kind of. I I am the more anxious one in in my (laughs) we all three of us are probably yeah uh what about your history with macgyver if any um, john did you watch it when you were younger or no yes uh i I think it was one of those um like when we stayed in a motel or something Hmm. we had more channels than (laughs) right so it was like a treat it was more violent than action movies i was allowed to watch it was Hmm. like people died and people got like burned or blown up and stuff and yeah it was i was probably able to watch macgyver before i was able to watch movies that that stuff happened in Mm -hmm. so it felt more like adult and exciting than sure yeah i mean i think that was their point right it's like it's prime time television but kids might be watching so the stakes are higher and it's a little more exciting but they're not it's not rambo right right Yeah. And I'm noticing a trend as we uh, interview more and more people who grew up in Vermont that access to channels uh, (laughs) seems like a big thing. Yeah. 
let's uh, let's get into the discussion of it because I, I absolutely can't wait. Um, can we get a summary, Annie, just to re- just to refresh our memories? I, I would love to refresh your memory about uh, Trumbo's world. Uh, the <laughs> opening gambit: MacGyver shows up wearing only a towel. I think we all remember uh, in a vast <laughs> extremist camp uh, in the Pyrenees Mountains. He rescues an American prisoner by blowing up a shower building, rappelling down rock face and whitewater rafting away. That of course takes place all before the opening credits and has nothing to do with the episode that which we're about to Annie watch. Will, Annie will never not comment on. Which I will never not bring up. Um, what we see in the main episode is MacGyver visits Brazil to join his friend, biologist Charlie Alden, on an expedition to figure out what's freaking out the bird population there. <laughs> totally normal trip. Uh, they meet Lucian Trumbo, a headstrong plantation founder, problematic, and mm-hmm. soon discover his land is threatened by billions of soldier <laughs> ants, uh, a few thousand of which kill Charlie. MacGyver, Trumbo, and Trumbo's loyal sidekick, Louise, partner up and stop the ants. Louise is killed but the property is saved through the use of clever moats, a homemade flamethrower, <laughs> and an exploding dam. Yes, thank you for taking us through all that. <laughs> um, so we're going to share our opinions about what didn't work in this episode, what did work, and how it held up. So I'm, we're going to bounce it to you, John. What were your first impressions? Yeah, I mean, okay. Uh, I mean, it's I don't I honestly don't know where to start. I can start at the beginning, <laughs> uh, or I can start with what works the least. And I think what works the least is just Lucian Trumbo. Uh, like the, <laughs> do, the, uh, do you mean the only thing is chewing more scenery than the ants in this episode? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. He, I mean, as a character, it's terrible. Uh, mm-hmm. But worse than the character is the actor. Yes. Uh, he's supposed to be like a Benicio del Toro, like, like thousand yard stare. Like he's seen stuff and he's, yeah. but, but he comes across as like an angry dad at a PTA meeting <laughs> the entire thing. Like he's just kind of a snotty temper tantrum yeah, guy. Yeah. He is uh, very snotty. I will say <laughs> that he, uh, one of the things I flagged is that he is one of the better non-MacGyver actors that we've oh, seen no. on this show, oh, no. unfortunately. <laughs> but I mean, when you say better, uh, he, he is clearly a trained actor, but, but and they gave him some absolutely over over dramatic like Shakespearean style lines to say, and <laughs> yeah. he's just eating the shit out of the scenery the whole time. It was yeah, I agree. It's like a real, but it is. It's like uh, like to your point, John. It's all sort of like misplaced. You know, it all feels mm-hmm. like he's punching the wind a little bit. Yeah. Uh, well, see, I I was trying to think of why because I noticed that the longer a scene happened with MacGyver, the worse the acting got, mm. and I think it's because MacGyver being aloof, it's got to be hard to act uh, with someone that doesn't seem to care about anything you say. Doesn't give you much, yeah. Yeah, so like, I feel like the the more lines you have back and forth, by the end, it's like, are you, like, MacGyver's lines sound like he's just talking to himself. Like, well, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, MacGyver is sort of a bad straight man because he doesn't react to the craziness that's going on around him. Yeah. Interesting. That's a new take. And I wouldn't have thought of that. I was always just thinking of like Richard Dean Anderson is always the most naturalistic actor in the scene, but if he, but he is very aloof, especially in this episode, he's downright apathetic in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I think the, the key scene, I think this didn't work. This is on the list of things that didn't work mm-hmm. is after they fight, like uh, MacGyver knocks him off the horse and pulls the gun away. Yeah. Right. Like, I think we're supposed to be done with Trumbo. Trumbo is a maniac. Mm-hmm. He, and then the kid, the, like the sidekick, is supposed to be like, "No, actually, you don't know him like I do." Mm-hmm. Instead, that was just sort of like, "Oh, you're not leaving? All right. Well, I guess we should go back in and see what he's up to." Like there was yeah. no, yeah, that that scene particularly, yeah, it was like, "What is the message here?" Like, is MacGyver he's standing up for them? It, I also wrote that he like so he wants MacGyver to know that he pays these people really well, these indigenous people, right? And he mm-hmm. and he refuses to lose a single worker. That's why he, you know. But then he's shooting at them to keep them yeah. there, which means right. like you're a slaveholder. Like the, the phrase he also says is, "I pay my Indians very well." Right. Like that's the, that's that's <laughs> right. what he's yeah. That's yeah. I mean yeah. And and pretty much every episode of the show so far, we've had to asterisk yeah. um the the cultural um literacy and treatment um of different communities. I, I loved at the end of that scene, <laughs> speaking of things that don't work, is the hundred <laughs> year old man who walks up to him and says, No, I have seen the ants before. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's just unbelievable. And then I loved everything Lucian, Lucian Trumbo says that sounds like a Shakespeare line. So they do inherit the earth. It's like, I feel like yes. Nero burning Rome. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. So, so dramatic. So bad. And, and even MacGyver's like, what? What? Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> oh he's God. like, well, keep pumping Nero. <laughs> oh, well, so we, um, there's so much else. I feel like I want to circle back to the opening gambit and just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just, what a life I lead. Uh, one minute I'm here and the next minute I'm there. I just, I hate this voiceover shit so much. Why do we need that transition every single episode? I don't know. We get it. We, we don't need the voiceover. Just for the, the, the very opening voiceover, he says that they're in the Pyrenees. Yes. <laughs> uh, which is what would happen if you said, Pyrene- how do you say this? And if someone said, Pyrenees, then you'd yeah. say, oh, I was in the Pyrenees. Yeah. <laughs> like if someone told you how to say Pyrenees, that's how you would say it right now. Yeah, it, did, it, it reminded me of uh, public radio reporters over-pronouncing words in oh, yeah, Spanish. Yeah. Uh, that is is one of the things that really uh, grinds my gears. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't. Uh, <laughs> I, I couldn't believe... Um, I was like, I wrote, how do you manage to be racist about white people? So these mountain men are like, I'm pretty sure babbling in a language that does not exist. I think they've made it up and they're watermeloning their way through this. <laughs> watermelon, watermelon through this. And then they're firing muskets and they're going like, ay, 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 <laughs> coming down. The- I mean, there's so many. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how that happens. I don't know how anyone isn't involved to be like, hey, maybe we could. Google it. Oh, I guess that wasn't a thing then. <laughs> no. Yeah. It, it really wasn't. Apparently, research of any kind was not <laughs> a thing. They had to put one of these out, like 22 of these out every season. Like, that's a lot for a big action show like this. And without the internet, it's like, all right. Well, I yeah. guess I want to talk about why then, if mm-hmm. that's the case and their uh, production schedule is so grueling, why do they feel the need to take us to all of these locales right. on a weekly basis that they get so wrong and yeah. that all look exactly like uh, Southern California, as I've mentioned before. Yeah. And it's just like, just stick to a place yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah. figure it out. Yeah. I think we're going to see in like season two and they move the whole operation to Vancouver. I think it like... You know, I think probably we'll see a lot of episodes that look suspiciously like Vancouver. <laughs> but I can't at least, wait. You know, I'm getting of, sick of uh, yeah, of the too. Southern California shots. Me too. Uh, chances are those guys are all washed up. I don't know why we need to end every opening gambit with a pun. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> also, the way the way the person who's saving asks is she sounds just like a kid. Like, are they still chasing us? <laughs> Maybe she's yeah. the one who does so all of ridiculous. the dubbing for the children on the show because there's definitely a which woman is, who does that. Which is a thing we did not really get. Um, we didn't get a our, kid in this one. Our kid, our lovable mm-hmm. kid sidekick in this episode. Is this the um, first one where we didn't get an, a lovable I sidekick kid? I think it might be. I yeah. think this is. Yeah. However, one thing I, uh, uh, I, I, I noticed is like. I thought it was interesting that a show that's only six episodes old has already given up on the espionage. Sp- like uh, we have run out of espionage ideas and we have to go to the jungle <laughs> to like, yeah. why is MacGyver being called in to help with ants when he's like, you've got you're six episodes old. You have so much potential I, spy they, craft to do. They are taking big swings. Yeah. Like <laughs> they are not focusing on any one yeah. thing. They are just like, you know what? Let's take on slavery uh, in Central Asia. Yeah. <laughs> One minute and then the next minute. Yeah, I know. It's pretty great. Can I say something else about the, the gambit? Uh, yeah. Before yeah, we move on. It's just, I, I don't understand why he ate and then said their stew was bad. I don't I don't know why. Was that a joke? <laughs> like, he like, first of all, he said, my mom, you know, made a lot of experimental things. Yeah. And he lifts Japanese soup, Italian pasta. Uh-huh. As an ex- experimental dish that, you make. <laughs> that i don't know at the time it, That's it pretty might have radical been. and and then basque stew and he's like and this this is bad what what was the point of that well the basque stew is he what he's that? eating uh i don't know i think he's a wise like it's a wise cracking thing i think that's meant to be a joke and a wise cracking right. he's so smart yeah like this terrorist camp has terrible stew like yeah. why <laughs> yeah i think and also it 
that is kind of the character. The character is like, I'm an American and uh, I am entitled to certain things. And these people, these <laughs> people true. are less, lesser than me. Yeah. yeah he wants his and, hamburger yeah. and you're not going to yeah. uh, feed him Basque stew. Uh, I loved, so I hated the, the shower gag and I, I thought it was so funny when he appears, we've talked about this before, how every person, new person he comes into contact with, he gets very familiar with very quickly. But this mm-hmm. is like, he comes in, he says, I'm here to rescue you. And she hugs him immediately, is immediately wisecracking yeah. and his sidekick and everything. I'm like, you don't know who this fucking guy in a towel is? Like, yeah. what's going on? No, but he's American. So right. she right. trusts him immediately, uh, which is is interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the things we haven't mentioned about what didn't work is just the depictions of the ants. Um, and we <laughs> oh, won't we gotta get, go to the jungle now. Yeah. We, yeah, we won't dwell on this too much, <laughs> but what the hell? What am I looking at? Uh, <laughs> did you guys, I want to ask you guys, so like when you, I maybe, I, maybe I tipped my hand, I can't remember. Did you know that there was going to be ants in this episode when you started watching it? No. No. What was no. the what was the reveal like for you when you started to realize what was happening with all these birds and mammals? I, I thought was, I thought was that was the best part for me. That's like in my mind, what works best is this is a good payoff for this mystery because it's like okay. I believe it. It is crazy. Like that would be a crazy thing, and it's sort yeah. of like what could possibly. I, I, that's like <laughs> the best part to me. It's like this is an explanation for why all these animals are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you were like, you were like, let's see what happens next with this yeah. horde of ants. Yeah, I like yeah. the ants. I like yeah, yeah. What about you, Annie? <laughs> I to me, it was a big eye roll. I was like, really, <laughs> like this guy is now a fucking bug expert. Like, I can't, I cannot with MacGyver. <laughs> He just, they send him in as the expert on all of these crazy situations. He doesn't know anything um, except how to make gadgets, which admittedly is cool. Um, You know, the idea that he would know how to handle the situation is ludicrous to me. Now, John had a problem with Lucy and Trembo, but I had a real problem with Dr. Charlie Alden. Um, And I know it's it's an archetype, but like, (laughs) <laughs> I, I believe this guy said the word MacGyver at least 25 times in this yeah. episode. Like, what are you doing, MacGyver? MacGyver, come over here, MacGyver. And uh, I, I, a couple of the lines I wrote down, something's not right. It's a little too quiet out here. It's like he's just a caricature of a scientist. Yeah, it was just he's a nerd, but also dumb. And one of MacGyver's best friends somehow. Yeah. <laughs> you you would expect me to believe they hang out. <laughs> MacGyver's friends do not have a good track record in the show. No, they die fairly quickly. Yeah, yeah. I, and this, that was another thing. He got himself eaten by these ants awfully quick for somebody who knows everything about these ants. Yeah. What a dum-dum. Like, how are you going to get taken down by the thing you are studying? Yeah. My favorite, I think maybe my favorite part of the episode is after Charlie dies. And, you know, MacGyver is like a little bit sad. He's like, oh, I'm sad about this. Right. Uh, but then he he walks up to Lucian and, and puts a picture of himself in front of Lucian. That, what? That, that Charlie drew. It's a drawing of MacGyver. Yes. Oh, right. I forgot this about is, this. This is how he mourns. He's like, oh. He just like throws it down in front of Lucian. Right. It's like Charlie liked to draw. <laughs> and a picture of yourself, yeah. dude? Come on. <laughs> Well, obviously, you know, we have some really bad green screen footage of them on the boat, um, which is pretty terrible. Yeah. And then we have like, I wrote this episode has two white saviors in it mm-hmm. <laughs> because we get MacGyver and we also get Trumbo and we get that whole story about about how Luis is, you know, uh, an orphan and is and, and he got taken in by Trumbo and taken care of and all this stuff. Right. Like they just can't do anything without the white guy. Um, and then we get this, like they rush into the village and they try to help and they help the woman with a canoe, uh, which like, mm. I like the trick, but I, it was so uncomfortable for me to watch this like white ingenuity at work. And that scene in particular, I wanted to flag that the second they had the canoe lifted, yeah. these other people swoop in out of yeah. nowhere to like, 
you know, take her away. I'm like, where were these people this whole time? (laughs) She was by herself stuck under this canoe, which like, tell me that canoe is seaworthy. I don't think like it's made of stone. What what kind of canoe can two people not lift like four inches? Right, right, right. How do you get in the water? (laughs) It is kind of the perfect like, uh, like feminist theory otherism, like, Oh, I've saved this woman. Now be gone. Like you, yeah. you were for saving. I, yeah. I don't, I'm not going to say anything to you. I'm not going to look at you. Right. You've been There's... saved. That is our interaction. Yeah, She's like, basically not a human. She's yeah. not a human. I did expect stuff. the moment, which is the cringy moment where the woman says, thank you so much for saving my life. But he, right. she's just like this. And since she is whisked away by, yeah. you know, fellow villagers and you're just like, all right, I guess that happened. Like, what was the <laughs> point of that scene? <laughs> Oh God. Okay. So, um, we might as well get into it here. This is the second time in six episodes that they have lifted an entire sequence from the end of a different movie and worked, Mm -hmm. worked, worked the storyline of MacGyver around it. And uh, I was embarrassed at how long it took me to realize that was happening in this one. Mm -hmm. Um, the other one was easy because it was, uh, it was the Italian job. It was three multicolored cars. It was very easy to spot that this is the Italian job. But this one is like an older movie and I didn't know any of the footage. So, but I remember thinking like when the flood came that, man, this is like, they're like, this is like a stage with a lot of water in it. And like, this is like high, high production value. Um, but it took me an embarrassingly long amount of time to realize what was happening. How about you guys? I think you, you told me that it was some footage. Oh, I did tell you beforehand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I did know, and then it was pretty clear. Right. Yeah, the the close-ups of the ants was pretty clear. Like, this is not, this is not. Well, that wasn't even, I don't think, filmed for, so what is the name of the other movie? I keep forgetting. It's the. Oh, uh, the name of that other movie is The Naked Jungle. The Naked Jungle with Charlton Heston from the 50s. And I'm sure they didn't film that ant footage. They grabbed that from a nature documentary and shoved it into Which their movie. I gotta wonder how common this is because, right. you know, this is really not something that I've seen before. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's done anymore. I think I think my favorite part was looking, the scientist has, has the camera and he's like taking pictures and it's like, a picture of ants in caves, pictures of ants like during the day, pictures of ants during the night. Like just like yeah. clearly just And totally... all different kinds of ants. Yes. Yeah. This is come on. Like people were not this dumb in the eighties. Like you gotta give your audience some credit. Yeah. I think we were a little dumber in the eighties, and I specifically like what sometimes I think about the fact that the advent of the behind the scenes video or mm. the interest on the part of the American people of knowing how the sausage mm. is made with regard to entertainment is new. Like it's in the yeah. last 30 years, maybe. So, but I think we were a lot more conditioned to just like sit back and enjoy something uh, back then. We might have, I mean, if you happen to be a filmmaker or something, you might think about it. But um, but I think now we're just so much more savvy about this stuff because we've seen a thousand behind the scenes things and we can recognize that stuff so much. And so things are so much more realistic with CGI and everything. Yeah, no, I think that's true. And I think now, uh, you know, that's part of why some of this stuff doesn't hold up, right? Because you sure. would have people um, on social media immediately saying like, yeah, right. what the fuck was this? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I wrote, I I also was thinking about the fact that this movie that they stole was 30 years old at the time. Yeah. So I was thinking about it. And I was like, what is that? What would be the equivalent? That would be the equivalent of like, if now I made a movie and I stole a bunch of footage from the hunt for red October and I put it in my movie. Yeah. You know? it's, it's bizarre. Yeah. There, there are definitely parts of this show where you're like, okay, now I'm done watching the ants. Now I'm watching two guys alone looking at nothing. Like it, it didn't feel <laughs> like they were doing anything other than standing by themselves. Right. Like right. It, yes. And the yeah. big thing for me was the the Charlie death scene was the biggest thing that did not work for me. Um, oh, yeah. It was, I mean, come on, this guy's a scientist and yeah. you're really going to kill him off in the dumbest way possible. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's, it's okay. I'm going to defend Charlie as a character just because I don't know, right. add some, some interest. <laughs> I just, I found it relaxing because I wasn't thinking what the fuck is going on with him like it was i think it was because he was a caricature i'm like okay i i got your your it is very clear yeah trombo was not trombo was not clear at all and so charlie was a little bit of a a breath of fresh air in that way yeah um what did you guys think about all the different ways that they fought back the ants at the end uh it was weird how they let the kid uh, it was weird how lucian did nothing actually like he was a spectator from a guy 
-hmm. he had no mm -hmm. job uh and then he injured himself just sort of like for no reason just yeah. just hurt his leg he's like oh i pulled Unrelated something related injury also yeah. that injury i wouldn't believe that if i saw it in a play <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he, he jumped two feet and just like hammed it up. Like, Oh, I think this, I yeah. ripped it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. This is someone that supposedly like, like battled the Amazon and won. And he's like, Oh, my ankle. Like, <laughs> yeah. And then we have Luis, poor Luis, poor, poor Luis, just like dying at the helm of this wheel, I guess, water wheel. But it has to come down to, you know, MacGyver versus the elements really here. And uh, I think there were things that were cool. Like, I, I mean, it's always cool to see a homemade flamethrower. Um, yes. But there also was like, uh, let, let, let me get this straight. You're pouring out a substance on a table, waiting for it to dry and hacking out a hazmat suit out of that. Yeah. <laughs> what? I like, yeah. I thought to myself, you don't just turn to turn to Trumbo and say, you got like a overcoat and some pants I could wear. <laughs> <laughs> right? it, it was just, that felt so unnecessary to yeah. me. There's always one or two always one, MacGyverisms yeah. that he does that, completely unnecessary does nothing to advance the story and is yeah. not even a cool trick. Right. Uh, right. and that was this one. I have a theory book. actually about that gag. This is my strange theory. I don't know if it tracks, okay. but many of the shots they replaced, uh, they used from this other movie that they put, um, MacGyver into, they like literally put MacGyver's body into a wide shot from the movie over top of, I assume, Charlton Heston. Oh. So they need a slightly bigger frame Yes. that tracks, oh that God. doesn't look like they're making him look huge in the frame. Yes. So I thought a big boxy hazmat suit would be a way to cover up Charlton Heston in a lot of these shots. Wow, that's smart. Yeah, that, that could be. I mean, anyway, that's, there's that's no other weird. reason for it because the suit doesn't <laughs> actually do anything to protect him from the right, ants. No. Right. Yeah. So, um, right. That's, it's not like a technical thing. Actually, the I, scene is way more exciting with Charlton Heston. He falls into the water and he like, you don't, you don't yeah. know if he's going to get to it in time. It really is pretty exciting. But uh, the ants also seem to scream uh, when they bust the dam. <laughs> yeah, a lot of that. Yes. The drowning them, though, at the end, I I felt like didn't really work because yeah. um, that seems like something the uh, people who were there could have come up with. I'm not I'm not yeah. buying that as <laughs> yeah. as the thing that MacGyver had to invent. Yeah, yeah. So uh, and the and the one thing that I uh, grabbed was come back a year from now. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and yet no coda a year from now. Just. Let's all walk into the sunset together. Like that was this ending every episode super abruptly thing has got to stop because it's driving me crazy. Yeah. Why even have the line in, man? Right, right. Also, MacGyver, one thing I liked about that exchange was that MacGyver seemed so uninterested in doing that that I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> oh, I won't be back. I won't be back. <laughs> like, like it's it sounded like him like making plans to get drinks with someone that will never happen, uh, even in the moment. Uh, do you, did you keep that uh, photo of uh, that drawing of me? Because I'm going to need that back. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, whenever there's something like that where I thought, Normally in shows, I'm like, oh, why didn't they do this one? And I'm like, oh, it's a TV show. They didn't have time. Mm -hmm. But we saw the same videos of ants like eight times. Right. So right. I, that, that cannot be the explanation for why. Like, it cannot be we didn't have time. No, if anything, it seems like they're trying to fill time. Yeah. It does not <laughs> feel like it's all intentional. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I had a couple of things that worked for me. I mean, overall... There were a few, like, it's always like just a couple of things, especially in an episode this bad. And this, I mean, they took a big swing and you got to respect that. It's a <laughs> real big swing. And, yes. uh, some, there are some, some moments, sometimes we've seen a few flirty moments that I like, like, I don't like the fact that the woman fell in love with him the minute he came to save her, but I do like the flirty banter of like, I don't think I can sneak out of here disguised the way you came in. Mm -hmm. and, and she says, don't tell me you're shy. And he goes, yeah, like, I like that kind of character development mm -hmm. and, and meet cute stuff. It's not bad. And then I, I loved, I, this is just a cheesy moment I loved when she says, I don't know how to do that. And then he says, you got to do it. And then she does it perfectly. Immediately. Yeah. Perfectly. Yeah. I had the same conversation while I was watching this. <laughs> uh, MacGyver in a towel worked for me. I, um, I, I said the same thing. I, I liked that a lot. I, I know we're talking about things that work, but those, those arms wouldn't fly on TV these days. Uh, you you gotta His you gotta body? do a couple yeah you gotta do a couple yeah. push-ups if yeah. you're gonna be famous. But I that's actually one of the things I like about it is it's like yeah. he's hot but he's not like 
jacked and ripped and cut and like no he's not jacked but but he doesn't need to be because his whole shtick is like it's his mind is the tool you know he's not like a muscle man action hero yeah yeah um uh, the the mask on the stick in the river actually surprised me it's probably racist (laughs) and it sucks but uh it actually got a little bit of a jump out of me which is so dumb i i again i know we're talking about things that work but they like how they say, oh, we're, the, the river's closing in, and they're clearly just all the way to the side of a bigger river. Like it's very, very <laughs> I <know>. clear. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wrote Power of the American Power. <laughs> uh, this was in in by way of saying I think the arc welding thing worked well, and I think yeah. I like that MacGyver chose to fix the stuff even though he doesn't have yeah. to. I like that whole thing, but I I did I did write the Power of the American Half Dollar, and I was like, you travel to the jungle with half dollars in your pocket. <laughs> What kind of crazy person? I I actually liked that scene of him fixing that stuff because yeah. I, I kind of liked that character. It felt in character to me for him to not want things to go to waste and want yeah. things to yeah. be working properly. So that yeah. actually I thought did work. Hated the Calgary Flames hat. Hope that never <laughs> comes back. Yeah, I, I there is an 80s trope of like dressing... I don't know how to describe it, but a certain way when you're in South America, there's like an 80s South America. Oh, vibe. Yes. And yeah, I would have loved yeah. to see that. I would have loved that to be part of. You want him in some more like linen and like yes. a hat. Like yes. that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, I would love to see MacGyver in that outfit too. I love a MacGyver outfit. Like when he dresses up um, yeah. either because he has to disguise himself as one a worker or when he just kind of like lets loose um, and wears like a cool vest or something. I, I like it when when his outfits are, are interesting. Absolutely. Um, I like when he says signal Luis for more water and the and Trumbo shoots in the air a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I'm like, again, they are so committed to MacGyver never picking up a gun in this yeah. show that they have the other guy fire the weapon. Um, I like the Nitro Man Knight stuff. I like the bomb building. I like... Uh, uh, I, I did wonder where all the ants went while they were building all this shit. They suddenly just got like a stay of execution from the ants so they could build all their, yeah. <laughs> all their gadgets. Um, anything else that you guys liked? I mean, I'm kind of weird. I, I do like things that sort of like brazenly don't work. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and, and one of them is that the only female character after the gambit is, is like a glamour shot that we like that Trumbo says, well, my wife died and we look at it like a JC Penny glamour shot. <laughs> And that's, that's, that's like, that's, that is the only woman in the uh, episode. Yeah. Oh my just, God. We don't know what happened to her. We don't know. No. Yeah. Normally, normally there is a bit of like a, a love interest or at least kind mm-hmm. of like a, a professional flirtation uh, going on with a character. I think um, we tried to get that with the gambit, right? Yeah. We, we got they it the they got it into the gambit, but not yeah. into the main episode. And I feel like yeah. that's, the episode is worse for that. It would have been a nice to have. Um, it's a it's a double edged sword because I don't want every episode to just be dudes. I'd like to have some women, right. but I also know that every time they bring a woman in, it has that eighties feel of like, well, here's the woman for MacGyver yeah. this week. So yeah, yeah. I, 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 but I'm happy to be done with some of the kids for a while. I think. <laughs> That was a forced. Yeah, we thing. don't befriend a child in this yeah. episode, which is fine. We don't need yeah. to make <laughs> friends with every child uh, worldwide. <laughs> um, well, great. Uh, so the final question we ask before we move on to the next uh, segment, the final question uh, of our discussion is, how does it hold up? Uh, I think that it. Uh, I mean, I, I like just just because action movies have such bad payoffs a lot of the time, like. A lot of times there's a mystery and uh, like the explanation is like doesn't line like they're building like, oh, something mystical is coming, something mystical is coming and you Mm. get to the other side and it's like not at all mystical has nothing to do with mysticism. Mm. And it's like, do you remember the beginning of the movie? Like, why doesn't this feel it? And to me, this felt large, like there has to be something big and the the ants were uh, big. Mm. There was like, it's 10 miles, it's two miles, it destroys anything, you can't stop it. So Mm. that is something that I I think a lot of movies now don't actually do. Mm. So medium paid off for me in that way. Interesting. Yeah. Cause you, and you don't have to watch six seasons of lost to figure out what the hell is happening. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Annie? I, I think that it does not hold up um, <laughs> at all. I mean, I think that like the like blatant footage from other things mm. that are just being cut in, I, I just think you can't, 
do that now um, (laughs) for good reason. Um, And also just, you know, I I know I keep harping on it, um, but the the way they approach um, indigenous stuff, the indigenous people, it's just like, come on, you didn't have anybody to flag, but like, (laughs) hey, maybe we shouldn't portray every single other community as uh, savages um, that we have to then go save. Yeah, it would be hard to pull off today being like, the exotic jungles of Brazil. You don't know what's in there and there might be something that can kill you. And the same thing for the mysterious East of other episodes we've seen. Like it's, Mm -hmm. uh, it's, we we just didn't have the knowledge because the, uh, and that's, I mean, that that's historical. You know, there was a time in this country where no one had seen an elephant and then someone brought an elephant here and they made up all this patter about it and they sold a million tickets, right? Like we've, we're always a little ignorant of something and this is just, we're looking back, you know, far enough that we're seeing it, seeing it in television. Yeah. I mean, I, I, now that you say all that, obviously I agree. Oh, that's true. And it doesn't hold up. Uh, I, I didn't I, think you were defending the uh, indigenous no. <laughs> representation no, in this. I, when I said the indigenous scenes, to me, it was it was like Gilligan's Island, but horrific things are happening. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like that's that was sort of the level of realism was like yeah, yeah. was like on the silly. Island. It's just into, it's sort of silly, right? Yeah, I, I do want to say I, I, the whole time I'm sort of struggling. Like, who is MacGyver? I know it's sort of like what his job is is sort of a big mystery. I don't know if it ever gets resolved. Uh, but I kind of had uh, epiphany when I saw the executive producer credits came up mm-hmm. and it was Henry Winkler mm-hmm. and I'm like, Oh, he's the Fonz. Yeah. MacGyver is, is the Fonz. <laughs> he doesn't care about anything. He knows how to right. fix things. He's like aloof. He's super cool. Yeah. He's like he's, that's so funny. I have read some stuff about, so this was his first foray into producing after happy days. And he was kind of handed a bucket of money and uh, a couple of partners. And he like, grabbed this idea that someone had created and did the show. And I, from what I hear in this first season, it was a real shit show. And I've even heard stories about how he was so inexperienced as a producer that he was like going up to actors and giving them line readings and the directors were getting super (laughs) fed up with him. So I'm not surprised. I would not be surprised if he was like injecting a little bit of the Fonz direction into, Mm -hmm. you know, some of these early episodes. Cause actually MacGyver starts out all braggy like this and he gets a lot more modest later. So you can feel that they're trying to figure out what the fuck this show is. Yeah, it's for me, the biggest gap is like, who does he work for and what are his motivations? Like, mm-hmm. what, why does he want to do this is still a, an unanswered question. Yeah, uh, we actually have a, a special segment for our listeners this week. Um, obviously, we all have a lot of questions about these ants. And so we decided <laughs> to ask an expert. So uh, we're going to come back and talk more with our guest, John, and play MacGyverisms and find out where this episode falls on our DTNP rating system. But first, take a listen to this interview with our new friend, Kent, who's going to set us straight on soldier ants. My name is Kent McFarland, and I'm a conservation biologist at the Vermont Center for Eco Studies. And I'm also co-host of Outdoor Radio on Vermont Public Radio. And I study insects, birds, all kinds of stuff out in nature. And I have for, for many, many years, including in the neotropics. So I'm kind of excited to talk about army ants. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, so you've had some experience with uh, some of this wildlife being uh, depicted on this show. What was your immediate response to uh, the this episode? <laughs> My immediate response to the episode was, no way. <laughs> <laughs> it was so far-fetched. I mean, I, I like to suspend belief just like anybody else when I'm watching TV, but this was so far-fetched that my biologist sense kicked in and there was no way I could just watch it without commenting the whole time of like, no way, that would never happen. <laughs> what was the coolest thing for me was their binoculars. They have the most amazing <laughs> binoculars. They were looking at ants that were like miles away, but the ants looked like they were right in front of them through their binoculars. Right, right. So I would love a pair of binoculars like that. I'm sure you would. You know, on a slight, on a slightly serious note though, like I was a little shocked even in the eighties of how they depicted so some of the Native American tribes that mm-hmm. are in that region. I mean, they depicted them as like not knowing anything and, right. you know, being superstitious. And he, these are people that have lived 
in the Amazon for thousands and thousands of years. They know more about ants and native wildlife there than anybody. And right. I just was a little bit shocked that that happened in the eighties, but I, maybe I should. Yeah. We've talked a bunch about this, uh, like yeah. white savior stuff running through the entire show. And there's a real, like it takes, it takes a white guy from America to save these people kind of vibe in the show <laughs> that is yeah. very unsettling. Yeah. The, the other thing that sort of surprised me a little bit, well, I won't say surprised me, but more boned me out is once again, they always depicted the scientists as like absent-minded kind of person. With Teddy Roosevelt era safari hat and glasses. <laughs> and, he, and he really gets himself killed by the very ants that he knows so much about pretty quickly. <laughs> well, um, yeah. I mean, as a biologist listening to him, I, I was cringing because the first yeah. thing he said was, well, there's people seeing birds flee. And he sees a bird species, which I tried to catch what he was saying, and I couldn't understand which bird species. He said, those are 100 miles away from the habitat they're supposed to be in. And I thought, 100 miles for a bird is nothing. I mean, that's (laughs) like ridiculous. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So I have to, I mean, I want to ask you mostly about these ants, because I'm so curious, like, how much of what's being depicted is is behavior that they actually have, and how much of it was uh, created for the episode? I mean, 99% of it was created for the episode. (laughs) There's like, there's like tinges of truth in there. Yeah. So these, these army ants, so the ones that live in in the New World tropics in South America, yeah. there's probably, I think there's something like 150 or 200 species of army ants. Hmm. And um, they all behave similarly. They don't have nests. They have they have bivouacs, so they just bivy and, and they may do that for a night. And they may do that for a couple of weeks. What does that What does that mean? What does bivy mean? They actually, they'll build a nest out of their own bodies for the queen oh, and wow. the eggs. And it may be in like a hollow log or underground but it's it's not anything like a nest we might see up here in a temperate zone it's really temporary Hmm. and so you know they mentioned in the show that it's something like they hadn't been seen in 40 or 50 years well they may bevy for like a couple of weeks at the most in a nest (laughs) and then they move on and they usually move on because they need more prey Hmm. so while they're bivying i mean the truthful part about it is they do send out these raids Hmm. so the soldiers and the workers will go out on these raid lines out of the nest it won't be miles long like they depicted there, and it <laughs> yeah. won't be moving so fast that, you know, the European white guy can't outrun it. Right, right. I mean, <laughs> it's really slow. Like, I've seen them before in several places uh, in Paraguay, South America, and in Belize and Central America, and you can literally walk beside them as they're going out foraging. Hmm. And the other thing is, is while they're out searching for prey, during the whole show, you kept hearing these like clicking and whispering noises. I wanted to ask yes. about those noises. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like they were communicating by whispers or something. <laughs> or, and literally there's no noise that you hear when you're following them. Yeah. Um, except for the fleeing of insects and the birds around them. Hmm. And so you hear insects will detect the, uh, the ants coming and they start to try to flee. Hmm. And there's birds that actually specialize in being around these ants because wow. they attack and eat the fleeing insects and eat them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's called kleptoparasitism. They're stealing <laughs> prey from the ants. Wow. And that's that's the only thing you hear is you hear birds calling and you hear a few insects fleeing. Not this So whole, you don't hear yeah, a loud screeching that... <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, yeah, it went into a screech too. In the yeah, show. that was, was like a like, sound engineer being like, we need to make these people skin crawl, you know? Exactly. It worked. It yeah. worked yeah, on no. me. <laughs> exactly. It's very effective, I'm sure. Do you think anyone did any research on the part of the world <laughs> that they were covering uh, in this episode? I'm pretty sure no. The research yeah. they did was copying off of other stories, I think. I'm assuming two miles wide and 10 miles long is not something you see. Yeah, no, it would be, you know, when they're out foraging, it may be, you know, a hundred meters long, maybe. And that would be a stretch. It would be easy to get away from as a human being. No, I've literally walked, like we get excited when, when we find them and we usually find them because we hear the birds that follow them and we go towards them because it's really interesting to watch. And you can literally walk beside them or stay out in front of them. Kent, did you learn nothing from Charlie standing standing there with the camera going, this is fascinating right before his death? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Especially when he slid down into what 
apparently was their <laughs> nest and was eaten alive. Yeah. yeah, no. Yeah, I mean, it would. I'm assuming you'd have to like what tie a human being down and like like that. Just you, it would be very difficult to kill a human being with the, with these ants. Is what you're saying? It, it would be nearly impossible yeah. unless. I mean, maybe if there's someone that has an allergic reaction to being bit a few times, <laughs> okay, that's a problem. Right. But I mean, it would be like you're such a scientist. You so make they sure. wouldn't engulf a person <laughs> and then completely disintegrate his body in 90 seconds. You're saying that wouldn't happen? No, and Annie, 90 seconds are being generous. I mean, yeah. it was more like nine seconds. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the guy really just was. Charlie the biologist disappeared in nine seconds. Yeah. I think yep. he was just glasses and a hat. I'll tell you that another instance where I've been around uh, army ants is um, years and years ago, I was actually in the Peace Corps mm-hmm. and I lived in Paraguay. And the other thing about these things is when they do decide to move their nest, their bivy, they'll do it at night. So then they'll mm-hmm. go out in the daytime and do raids to get um, prey and bring back to the nest. Mm-hmm. But when they move the whole nest, it's almost always at nighttime. And sometimes I lived in this small house. It was basically a brick adobe house um, in the tropics and not very tight. Sometimes at night, army ants would literally come through my house that I lived in. Wow. And when I hear them come in, I'd be, I'd flick on a light and look over and be like, yep, the army ants are here. Great. They, and I liked <laughs> wow. it because they would clean out all the insects, including cockroaches, which are plentiful in the tropics, wow. out of my little house. They were like a cleansing unit. And by morning, they were gone, you know. Wow. So, it's like nature's Roomba, right? <laughs> Just coming yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh, you wouldn't be, what you're saying is you wouldn't be in a situation where you would need to defend your plantation against these things. Are they a threat to crops at all or no? no they're com- in the new world, these ants are completely carnivorous. They mm-hmm. eat insects, small frogs, maybe a small snake and lizards and things like that, or um, little salamanders maybe, but they would not, that, that would be the biggest thing they'd generally eat. For people who were really into this and loved the ants, um, do you have any pop culture recommendations of things that actually are scientifically accurate uh, that people can check out? Whoa. Uh, no. <laughs> No, at least not fictional shows right my wife gets on my case a lot when watching movies because i'm the worst one to ask this because i'm very critical (laughs) about all the natural history in movies and like we're watching a movie and they have taken great care in all the periodic clothing Mm -hmm. um and all the the cars are perfect and everything and then boom you get a soundtrack of birds in the background and i realize like wait those they're in Europe and those birds are from like Florida <laughs> or like, and it drives me. I call it out every time. And, and my oh, wife is always man. like, it's just a movie. Can't you just let it go? I'm like, no, they should have the birds right too. <laughs> it happens. Honestly, it happens so much. Yeah. Wow. It's almost every movie really. Yeah. Uh, well, this has been a t- true delight, Kent. Thank you so much for coming on and explaining all this stuff to us. And we encourage our listeners to check out Outdoor Radio on VPR. And uh, is there anything else that you want to add or or we missed or anything? No, I just uh, enjoy the ants. Don't be afraid of them. Right, right. <laughs> okay. I, I, get the, I get the feeling we could let these ants crawl all over us if we wanted to, and they'd be pretty I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, you might not want to do that. Okay. All right. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, Kent. We really appreciate it. Thank you. We're back with our guest, John Mathias. John, you grew up in the 90s, right? Yes, uh, absolutely. What were you into in terms of TV and movies and all of that? Around the time of Guy on, I definitely liked, I, I remember watching a lot of cartoons and I think just all the worst TV, you know, uh, yeah. TGIF and Nickelodeon when we had it. Uh, I didn't get into a lot of like Dukes of Hazard or like the quality old semi-adult things. As right. you know, uh, Star Trek, the next generation was my favorite show as a mm-hmm. kid. And this, that's actually like started maybe the same year, 1984 as MacGyver. Hmm. Uh, I think yeah, they like, 85, yeah. yeah. Um, how, do, how does Star Trek hold up these days? Uh, or is it too close to it? <laughs> no, I mean, I love it. I, I love Star Trek. Uh, it's, there are definitely episodes that are sexist and there's, I mean, there's the famous racist episode, but there's also other like racially insensitive mm-hmm. um, uh, tropes and, and, and episodes. And it's, it tends to be like when they're trying to be good, that they're the worst. Like when they're trying to say something about yeah. like gender equality, that they're the most sexist, um, mm-hmm. or when they're, they're trying to say stuff about, um, not being racist that they're, they, 
they sort of expose where they are at the most. That's a, that's exactly what we're finding with this is that yeah. like their heart is in the right place because they're trying to expose bigotry and prejudice, but it, but they're also you know casting these like like very broad strokes about a certain group of people. Yeah. Um, did you belong to a clique when you were in middle school, high school? Like what was your kind of, uh, okay. So I, I went to the regular public school until uh, through third grade and I was, uh, the weird guy, like, uh, I sort of had a brand of being weird and, and that allowed me to be a little bit aloof, but I certainly had no friends. Uh, and then <laughs> I went to a, a Riverside school, which is a, a private school that was, um, sort of like hippie kids or kids like me. Yeah. Um, and then, then I got along better, but only learn how to socialize with people who didn't know how to socialize, I'd say, uh, but I had a lot of fun. <laughs> and so, now you're in comedy, which makes sense. Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say my best friend, Cliff, uh, in grade school, his parents are both actors, uh, good, great, great actors. And um, he was allowed to watch anything as long as it wasn't bad. Like his content was like, <laughs> we weren't, he wasn't allowed to watch Dr. Green Medicine Woman both because of his depiction of Native Americans and because the acting was so bad. We could watch Boogie Nights. We could watch all sorts of stuff. Oh but we were not allowed. We were not allowed to watch bad television. That's amazing. Like as determined by his actor parents. Right. Yes. That is the best. Uh, yeah, that's the best uh, strict parent rule I've heard. My parents were strict, but it was not on the basis of quality. I can tell you that right now. I just picture them like dumping a bunch of Criterion editions in, in his lap and being like, here you go. Yeah. Have fun. You need to watch that episode where Chloe Sevigny uh, gives a blowjob, but you can't watch. Um, you, you cannot watch The Simpsons. Yeah. I distinctly remember standing in New England video, like with renting some movie, like desperately seeking Amy or something. Mm-hmm. And like the, the lady calling up Cliff's parents to be like, are you really yeah. allowed to like, we just have to wait there. And she would call them up. God, what another world. Oh, that was, wow. Right? And like, that's, and I was the person calling the parent in that. So I were, that was my high really? school job. Oh. I worked oh. in a video store, but I remember making those calls to people wow. and be like, is it okay if Timmy runs, you know, whatever <laughs> action movie insert here. Wow. That is just a whole other world. Uh, well, we, in every episode, we always like to find out how handy our guest is and how, and how handy our listeners are. Uh, so it's time for MacGyverisms. John, can you think of a time when you, uh, improvised a solution to something out of found materials? Uh, I thought about this and it's not a great example, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's something. Uh, so I was, my muffler had issues. Um, and, and then one day I was driving to a semi new job and I heard my muffler fall and I was dragging it. Uh, and then I went into the parking garage for work and I was worried that if I backed up like out of my spot, the mm-hmm. muffler would get caught on the ground. So I wanted to lift the muffler up off the ground. Uh, but it, I was, had my work clothes on. So I had some metal twine and I threw it under my car and I like lifted it up and I tied it around a water bottle and like jammed it underneath my seat to give it like some flex. So when I went over bumps, it wouldn't like pull the twine taut. It would like use the plastic, like it would squeeze the plastic as like a You built a, like a shock absorber into your yes. solution. Yeah. Yes. And that got me uh, home. And I think I drove the rest of the week like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing how many times I've asked people for these things and they've been like, yeah, I just actually kept it and it lasted yeah. for a long time. Yeah, yeah. There's so many car ones. I feel like yeah, cars yeah. are, are the thing that people are mo- either they're stuck and they can't yeah. get professional yeah. help or they're reluctant to pay for professional help. Well, so. and they're usually the thing we buy like a shitty version of first and then we have yes. to like, yeah, figure out a way. And to then fix. you realize why you need the good brake pads right. or whatever it is. Right. <laughs> Oh, I, brake pads reminded me that I, I changed the brake pads on another old car I had, and I did it wrong. And I used to have to keep a spray bottle of water in my car because I'd have to get out and spray down and <laughs> oh my cool, God. cool off my wheels like every... Oh, no. <laughs> that, oh, that's, that's, that is uh, No, terrifying. I hope you don't take offense to this, but that is the most Vermont shit I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> that just terrifies me. That terrifies me more than a bunch of soldier ants. Uh, awesome. Well, Andy, do we have any listener MacGyverisms of the week? 
Yeah, there was one that struck me from a Facebook thread that you put up a while ago that I wanted to circle back on because I didn't bring it up at the time. Someone said, I used a spent shotgun shell to plug a boat with my cousin when we went fishing on his pond and it actually worked. So they're in a boat that has a hole in it. uh, And so they decide rather than to just go home um they decide to plug it uh with this spent um shotgun shell uh they say it was about two inches long and it was from his rifle so it had one of those orange shells on it it was round and hollow uh they said they did get a little bit of water coming through but it stayed afloat long enough for them to keep fishing Oh my god, that was the goal is just keep the boat fishing. Keep the boat afloat, I guess. Awesome. Uh if you have a MacGyverism to share, uh email us at themacgyverpod at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram or Twitter at the MacGyverpod. Uh that concludes MacGyverisms. We're gonna move on. We're gonna rate this episode, right, Annie? We are we are on a mission to figure out what the best episode of MacGyver is. So we are going to rate this episode using our very scientific point system. Yeah, it's time for It's Classified. All right, this is a rapid fire game and each of us are going to score Trumbo's World from one through 10 on four different characteristics. So we're going to start with you, John. Mm-hmm. Uh, how exciting was this episode for you? I think it was... a. Uh... Six. Okay. All right. Not bad. It, it also, yeah, that's all. I just think the last thing was a little bit of a letdown. The rubber suit. If, it, if that had mm-hmm. lived yeah. up to everything else, then it would have been more. But the rubber suit brought it down. Gotcha. What about you, Annie? Four. Four. I, I do, yeah, I don't even want to elaborate on it. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say four as well because like, I know there's better episodes of this and it was yeah. like pretty much a slog for me. Um, all right. Uh, John, what about the acting and writing in this episode? Uh. If it wasn't for Charlie, I'd say zero. Uh, but because of Charlie, I'm going to say uh, three, a roundup. I was going to okay. say 2.8, but I'll say three. Okay, cool. What about you, Annie? I would say three as well. Um, yeah. I do believe that the actor who portrays Trebo is better than a lot of the guest stars that we've seen um, in that he seems like he knows he has acted before. Yeah, like yeah. he was not straight out of community theater, but right. um, yeah, still not good. Uh, I'm going to say three as well. I mean, that guy I would have watched in Richard the Third, I think, yeah. but I, <laughs> I didn't like him here. Okay. Can I say the guy that plays the mayor? I liked as an actor. He was had one tiny scene, and he was yeah, like, yeah. "I liked him. I wish he had been Trumbo." He was not. He was. He was fine. Yeah, he was fine. But like you said, the longer anybody spends in Richard Dean Anderson's presence, the worse yes. an actor they become. And and, and that <laughs> happened in that scene too. Like the last right. couple lines didn't actually. <laughs> in that scene. He took a shot at me last time he yeah. saw me. Um, great. Uh, what about sheer innovation? This has to do with like all of the all of the different inventions. What was the innovation factor like for you? Uh, that's, I think this is low for MacGyver, I think. For MacGyver, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think four. Okay, four. What about you, Annie? I say three. This is low on the scale yeah. of even what we've seen so far. Okay, uh, I'll give it a five just because there are a few things in there I liked. Um, uh, and finally, the 80s cool factor. Compared to every other 80s thing that was happening at the time, how cool is this episode? I think there, there's a true uh, four, another four. I will say a six. Believe it or not, the yeah. towel scene bumped uh, it up for me. Yeah, that I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, and and the the opening gambit, I think, was uh, this is one of the cases where I wanted the opening gambit to be the episode and sure. not the episode we got. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, that that okay. I get that. Uh, I'll go to five. Um, all right, so we have three more questions that are bonus questions, and the the episode will get five points if any of these things is true. Uh, does he help out an old friend in this episode? Yes. I believe this is the first instance of that. Finally, we have uh, we're starting to help out an old friend. Um, well, oh, yeah, he sort of does it with Peter in um, Thief of Budapest. But, I love um, that you remembered Peter's name. <laughs> he lasts nine seconds in the episode. I he made quite an impression on me yeah. because it was a really dumb death. Um, wait, wait, but wait. his other old friend dies too. 
Yes. Many of them, I think, okay. will. It's yeah. it's very strange. I I feel like help is weird. He basically causes this guy's death <laughs> if you think about it. So, um, I but mean, sure, I think, we'll say I think yes. The purpose the purpose of an old friend is to give you all the exposition of what MacGyver will be doing, and then right. kick kick the bucket when he's no longer needed. Um, uh, does an ex girlfriend make an appearance? No. No. And is he detained against his will in this episode? I mean, by the ants, but not really. Like no. People I wouldn't give it points for that. He isn't imprisoned by Trumbo at any point or anything no. like that. So, no, the Trumbo moves very quickly from like bad guy to guy we're willing to risk everything to help for some yeah, reason. Right, um, right, right. Uh, that's been it's classified. Now it's time to reveal the results. Out of a total of 135 possible points, this episode receives 50 points, making it the worst episode <laughs> of MacGyver wow. so far. Uh, by a long shot, by like 20 points. So uh, we can only hope that it will get better from here. This, I think, uh, what I've read about this is that they made these first six episodes um, not in the exact order we've seen them. And then it's a new batch after this. So um, they change out the composer. They change out some producers. So it should be interesting to see what changes in the next six mm. Yeah, I've been waiting six episodes to get him in that raft because I've seen it in the opening credits. Yeah, and not I know. And we've seen having... literally every other thing. It's like the first three episodes is like most of yeah. the opening credit sequence. Yeah. Any, but any parting thoughts about the episode from either one of you that we didn't uh, say or get to? John, you may, you texted me today that you confused this song with another song. Yeah. Why don't you tell me what it is? <laughs> so I, I really like this theme song and yeah. I really like the Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers theme song. And I, <laughs> I never I never put together. Sometimes I often have times whisp, a hard time whistling the Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers and I have to like go find it. And I think it's because I mixed it up with MacGyver. So Chip and Dale is Chip, 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 Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. Da, da, da. And MacGyver oh, yeah. is... Yeah, and then there's also you're simply the best, right? Which is another very yeah, very eighties cool. Awesome. Well, anything from you, Annie? Any other final thoughts? I I think we've done it. I'm excited to see where we go once we head to Vancouver, and I'm excited to see that's a full twenty episodes away. But where we go next? Uh, in the world I'm sure it will be insane awesome well that's it for this week thanks for listening Uh, thanks to John for joining us please subscribe rate review all that stuff and if you want to watch old episodes of MacGyver along with us they're available on CBS All Access or you can buy them for a buck an episode on Amazon Uh, next week we'll be breaking down season one episode seven last stand take care everybody remember in the immortal words of our buddy Mac friends Friends are are the adventures adventures of of life. life bye everybody bye